You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al-Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Maxwell Medical. On this weekly talk show, we invite an expert to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section on our Facebook Live. Today's guest is Beishta Kiam. Beishta in her field is helping individuals with so much more than just eating healthy and losing weight. Um, and this past weekend, we actually had the pleasure of having Beishta as the one of the MCs at the gala. Beishta, alaikum. how are you? Assalamualaikum, I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Um, this past weekend, we had you at the Emoji Games, and it was your first time. Can you tell us a bit about that experience before we get into your um, field? Um, yeah, so it was my first weekend um, that I went up to Michigan, and it was actually my first time in Michigan, which was really nice. And just seeing the whole like community come together was my first time going. I didn't really know what to expect. But it was amazing. I think it was so well organized, the sportsmanship and just like having members from like our my own community in Jersey go up there and just cheering them on. So it was fun. Mm -hmm. Definitely will be back next year. And we held our games, which actually drew 870 plus participants. And we had over 3000 attendees. Um, it was amazing. I was on the field. It was amazing seeing the competition, the laughter and above all the unity that came together. Um, so if anyone wants to check out the highlights from this, you can check out check it out on our website or social media, um, and you will see a lot of stories from so many kids and so many adults. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's start off with talking about your career now uh, as a nutritionist. Uh, can you tell us first how you stumbled upon this career? So basically going back to college, um, I went in as a bio major, so I was declared and I kind of knew a sense of what I wanted to be in being like in the health profession. And I was aiming more towards like physical, um, physical physician's assistant. And I was taking my bio classes, like the chem and the microbiology and all those pre-cal classes. And then we had to take gen eds as like certain courses. And basically I took one of them was a nutrition class. And during that nutrition class, I like really enjoyed going and it was just so interesting. And then I took another class that was nutrition based and we just kept going back and forth. And then finally mm -hmm. I was like, I think this is more of what I found my passion in. And then I changed my major into um, nutrition and food science and then a concentration in clinical dietetics. So working more of the clinical field in the hospitals and mm -hmm. just seeing and counseling patients. That's basically what I wanted to do. And yeah, so then I graduated after that and I got my degree. And then um, we, so basically part of the program is that you have to like once in order to be registered, you have to do an accredited internship. So it's kind okay. of like clinical hours that you have to complete. And there was only three accredited programs in Jersey at that time. So I had to look a little elsewhere. There was nothing in Jersey that kind of like fit what I wanted to do. And the program is it hard that they to had. get into those programs. It's hard in a sense that there's so many people applying and there's not enough seats. So okay. when I applied for the one in New York, which was New York Presbyterian, which is where I'm working now, actually, 
Um, they have about, they only have 16 to 20 seats a year mm-hmm. and they get over like 200 applicants sometimes. Wow. So it's very, it could be competitive in the sense that you really need to stand out in your academics, but also mm-hmm. in your extracurricular like activities and other things, because it's just, everyone's applying because everyone knows there's not enough, like, you know, not enough programs in Jersey Mm -hmm. and then yeah and there's a couple in New York there's more options in New York but I would say that um, Jersey there's not as much unless you want to move to like California and Mm -hmm. or like uh, different places so it just depends on what you're looking for so luckily I knew I wanted to do New York Presbyterian and I really worked hard in college to make sure that you know once I apply I do stand out Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I did get accepted. So then I did that for a year. And basically, under that, you just perform medical nutrition therapy. So you're still working that like, you know, nine to five, I work mm-hmm. the weekend sometimes. Um, and then you still had to do like lectures and classes and exams. So we did that. I did that for about a year until I finished. And then once I finished, I had to study for my exam in order to become certified and registered. And you can't and work if you're not certified or registered. You can work, but the thing is you can't work in a clinical environment where you're okay. giving medical nutrition therapy. So you okay. can't work in a hospital. You can't work mm-hmm. for private practice where you're seeing patients that like, you know, have certain illnesses mm-hmm. and like, you know, it just, the whole point of the internship is to prepare you for this exam. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like goes hand in hand. Um, what advice would you give to the current uh, high school or college students that could help them make a decision to improve their chances for a job further on? So one thing I would say, like, I wish going back that I did more of was networking. I think Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing. Um, I didn't really know anyone that was, you know, um, in my field at that time that wanted to do what I wanted to do. So I kind of paved my own way in a sense, but like, I also, you know, you make mistakes, you go back and you change your major and, um, you know, you find through work experience, you meet people. But the biggest thing with the nutrition field, I would say, is just um, networking, finding out people, you know, that work in different parts of, you know, mm-hmm. either corporate or clinical or private mm-hmm. practice and just, you know, making sure that you have other people you could go to to ask for like advice and everything. Um, so let's go get into a bit about um, the different career paths that you can take within nutrition. Uh, a lot of people will think of when you think of a nutritionist, you'll think of like Instagram blogs and recipes mm-hmm. and healthy eating and lifestyle. Yeah. So you All took about yours, the dieting. Yeah. <laughs> and you took yours in a different uh, way, which is so interesting. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us where you started and how it's evolved? Yeah, so I started clinical. So I did like, you know, I had experience working with some of my favorite rotations, I would have to say was like the eating disorders. So I worked Mm -hmm. with people that, you know, that suffered with bulimia and anorexia and just of all ages and just seeing how we can actually get them to become healthier, but also Mm -hmm. incorporate nutrition into their lifestyle. So they're not afraid of foods and just things Mm -hmm. like that. I also worked with kids. Um, We worked, one of my rotations was working with children with epilepsy. And that's when the whole ketogenic diet came in and the formulas and just Mm -hmm. making parents more aware of the situation that their kids are in and how important nutrition plays a role. Mm -hmm. And obviously we didn't want them to like lose weight or anything like that was the last thing we would ever talk about with them. 
And then um, another one that I really enjoyed working with was nutrition support. So that's kind of like when you're in the ICU and you, I worked a lot with like tube feeding. So if you had patients or clients come in and they had surgery or they had like certain issues that they couldn't eat through their mouth, we would have to, you know, put tube feeds in them. And then we would have to write formulas based on how many calories they needed. Um, if they had diabetes or renal disease or something else that there was a special formula for that. And then every day I would come in and I would have to make sure like I look at their labs and just see Mm -hmm. that everything's okay and everything's normal. So you're working a lot with like the doctors there and like the physicians and the nurses. So it's a lot of team effort, which was really nice. And just like meeting other people in different fields and kind of getting advice from them as well. So it kind of, it works well. I liked it a lot, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do Mm -hmm. forever. So it kind of led me into what I'm doing now, which was within the same hospital. Um, Our hospital has 11 campuses and 11, I think it's 13 now, but um, they had a corporate new dietitian position open. And it's kind of, you shift from focusing on patients to now focusing on the employees. So we have over 40,000 employees. Wow. And yeah, so it went from taking care of patients every day to now your focus is on making sure your employees are healthy, you know, with like the insurance rates and the obesity rates and everything mm-hmm. um, in today's world. That was our main focus. So it's kind of like I would, we had like a monthly newsletter that would go out to our teams and um, we have our own website and we, I would write like mm-hmm. weekly wellness tips on that and make charts for employees. And then um, for every month, like if it's National Diabetes Month or if it's Heart Month, we would go on site and we would like speak to the nurses and we would just, you know, just make them more aware. Because I feel like in healthcare, sometimes um, people that work like doctors and nurses, they kind of forget to take care of themselves because they're Mm -hmm. always putting their patients first. So that's when we came in and we would try to do whatever we could to help them. And then, yeah, and then we would do some fun things too. Like every year we team up with JP Morgan Morgan, and we mm-hmm. do like an annual race. So it's kind of like a, a 5K race that we do. And we okay. have thousands of people come up to that. And we just like, you know, we give out food and everybody does the race. So it's kind of like a fun way to be healthier. Yeah. And these are such important roles that we don't hear much about, um, for example, tube feeding or... Um, someone who's taking care of the actual nurses and doctors themselves. Yeah. We don't hear about this a lot. Yeah, Um, I know. And it's such a vital role when you think about it. Food is so important. Yeah. Um, So what are the things that you did that set you apart from other people? Um, So basically I would have to say the first thing was that I worked part-time while I was going to school Mm full-time. So I worked in a hospital. And that's kind of where I built my connections. And, you know, when you're in college, they always tell you that your personal statement is important, but also your letters of recommendation and making sure you get it from someone that, you know, you could truly trust and you know, Mm -hmm. that's going to put in a good word for you. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that was one thing that did set me apart. And also just the fact of like being diverse. Um, I went in there saying like, you know, I'm from a different culture and like, I know about the different the other areas of cultures, you know, and how that plays a role. Because Mm -hmm. like now when you're going and you're counseling someone, 
if you're not going to talk to someone about foods that they don't typically eat because it's just going to go in one year and out the other year, you know? Mm-hmm. So like you if know about were, their eating habits and their yeah, diet, you have to know mm-hmm. about their culture. Like if mm-hmm. someone were to come and talk to my parents about like Chinese food, I don't think they would really listen because they don't really eat that type of food, you yeah. know? So it's being culturally aware and just like getting out there and volunteering. Um, I tried my best doing that as much as I could. I mean, it's hard being a college student in general and just like making sure your grades are up there. But yeah, and you've worked part time too. So (laughs) added stress, (laughs) added stress, but Mm -hmm. it all worked out. So it was it was good. Um, How was that transition from living in New Jersey to New York? Um, It was a huge transition in a sense of I do live semi close to New York. So I would go once in a while. And, um, but usually I would just like walk around or like, you know, take an Uber somewhere. But this was kind of like the first day I had to use the subway and (laughs) I didn't really know how to use the subway. So that was a struggle in itself, but you pick it up pretty quickly. But I think Mm -hmm. that was one of my biggest accomplishments was just like learning how the subway system works, even though there's still always issues with it. Um, so that was another, that was one thing, but also living on my own. So I kind of like moved there mm-hmm. for a year, uh, just cause I was closer to where I was working and just the commute was easier. So I think that was also another transition. And that's so interesting. Cause I live in Toronto. So I used to think that there were subways everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's pretty hard learning, uh, subway, especially in New York. Yeah. Um, so- Especially the morning commute, like there's oh, yeah. so many people mm-hmm. and you're just trying to find your way and it's I just can like only the imagine. pushing and shoving, yeah. Oh yeah, if it happens in Toronto, I'm pretty sure New York is like a hundred times worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what was that, uh, what was it like living alone and how did you sort of go over that um, cultural, um, how do we say, how did you go over that little step obstacle yeah the obstacle (laughs) Um, just for the audience who's listening um, it is it's not it's not usually um it's usually difficult for a girl to get out of the house and move to a different city um especially within our cultures so can you speak a little to that yeah so I totally agree I do think that it was semi an obstacle um Mm -hmm. Being the only girl, it was even kind of sometimes harder mm-hmm. because, you know, my parents were so used to me being at home all the time. Um, but it was something that, you know, like I always say, I they always had trust in me and I never did anything to kind of for them to feel like they couldn't mm-hmm. trust me. So there was always that f- stable foundation. And also they knew how much I sacrificed and how much I put into it. And they they knew they couldn't say no in a sense that I was they were going to probably regret it more than I was and it was Mm -hmm. a chance that I wouldn't have been able to have any other day or you know in the future so Mm -hmm. it was hard for them and it was hard for me too you know like going from being home every day to now being alone um you know cooking for myself cleaning all going from a very loud house to something so quiet yeah that was (laughs) I think we can all relate to that yeah it's like you would come home and it's like always crowded the tv's Mm -hmm. on people talking now I'd come home and it's like quiet and like it's only you by yourself so Mm -hmm. it was a huge transition but also like I lived right across the street from the hospital so I would it took me a while to get used to like the ambulance at night and like mm-hmm. hearing all the noise and everything so it was a adjustment I was a lot of sleepless nights but I got used to it um but so, I had my family support so yeah, it was yeah. nice 
Yeah, and I think uh, that's what that's what gives that value to everything that you're doing right now is that you have yeah. that support and you have that um, family to back you up and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you work in the HR department and you're in charge of um, a lot of things. Can you tell us about your responsibilities within the department? Yeah, so kind of within the department, like I said, I still do like the whole program planning with going off to like mm-hmm. the different campus sites during different events and just like hosting tables and doing little workshops and seminars. Um, We do like every year we have this thing where we do biometric screening. So we kind of go in and we take like our patients, like our employees come and they give us like, you know, we, we take their height, their weight, Mm -hmm. their um, A1C levels, their cholesterol levels, all those information we kind of gather. And what we do is we analyze that data to see like where our pay, where our employees are falling under. So if it's like a lot of our employees have, for example, heart conditions or their cholesterols are really high, we're going to create programs where we can help cater them to like lower it or just make them more aware of the types of issues that can like arise from that. Mm-hmm. So some other things is that the, so the HR office I work in now there's eight floors and one of the floors we actually have a market and it's kind of cool I got the opportunity to like manage that mini market Mm -hmm. so I get to choose the types of foods I want in and out so I work with like the vendor and you know we have this new vending machine that I'm super excited that's coming it's kind of like a fresh salad vending so every day we would have like fresh salad options like you know when you go to Mm -hmm. the store and you see like the soda vending machines this would be like a fresh salad one so oh, okay. it's the first time we're doing it. So I'm excited, kind of nervous to see how it's going to work out, but I think it'd be good. <laughs> hopefully we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. So we'll see. But yeah. yeah, so it's a lot of different things. And what I liked about it was that I actually get to see the programs from that mm-hmm. I start from start to finish. So it's not like I go in and I see a patient and then I'm never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. These are you things, see things that affected I, real time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see them carry out and I see the effect they have year to year. So mm-hmm. it's, it's nice. I like it a lot. Now you said earlier that you like being around people and counseling people. Do you still do that? Yeah. So when I worked corporate, um, when I work there now, I kind of missed that whole counseling experience and I wanted to, you know, continue doing that. So actually on the side, I see clients sometimes um, Mm -hmm. one-on-one. And then like, I deal with a lot of like basic things like, you know, like diabetes, trying to lose weight, but I also do like little workshops. So recently I did one before Ramadan started, I did fitness and fasting. So it was kind of like, uh, it was more focused towards women. Um, They came and we kind of did like a little workshop of just like tips and things that they could do to prep for Ramadan, what to watch Mm -hmm. and what to eat, just to kind of like help them. And just, you know, we started talking market now and how they feel about it and like what's worked for them and what Mm -hmm. hasn't and just, you know, bringing the research into it because that's the thing. I feel like it's so easy to go on social media now and just like see like, oh, this person's doing this diet, but like you don't know the health consequences and the research behind it. So that's kind of like where I come in and have to stay on my toes all the time doing (laughs) research, so. Okay, since you're so researched and you know all of this, let's bust some big nutrition myths. What are the biggest ones you can think of? (laughs) (laughs) Detox teas don't work. Um, I see them all the time and people are always like, oh, it helped me lose this much weight. They just don't work. Save your money. They're so expensive. 
Um, I just feel like you could do so much more with that. The other thing is these ketogenic diets. Um, Mm -hmm. It takes your body so long to get into ketosis. And I feel like a lot of people don't know how much carb, like there's certain things that have carbs in them and people don't know. And then they eat it and they still think that they're on this ketogenic diet. And Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, I would have to say those are the two biggest things I see all the time but the detox teas really get to me. That's the one thing. And they're so expensive. It's like ridiculous, but I don't know. These marketers are doing really good trying to sell them. What about having no sugar? Um, Well, I can't say that because I have sugar all the time. Yeah. Um, I think that, okay. Is it, is it unhealthy to eat? Yeah. So is it unhealthy to eat sugar and still enjoy those types of things? Or no, I think everything in moderation, because if Mm -hmm. sugar was unhealthy, then fruits would be unhealthy. And I think that that's what people need to realize, you know, and fruits and vegetables have so many like antioxidants and Mm -hmm. so many things that, you know, you should be eating them if you can, you know, everything in moderation. But Mm -hmm. my friends call me the dessert eating dietitian because (laughs) I'm that girl that I will bring like the fruits and the, you know, the veggie platters and everything, but I still bring my dessert and I would always be down for like, you know, ice cream or anything. So I think it's a lifestyle. You don't want to like yo-yo diet all the time. Cause then, you know, I feel like you're messing up with, you're messing with your metabolism. And especially if you're young, you don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. Were you one of the first people at the dessert cart at the gala? Sorry, can you say that again? I'm saying, were you one of the first people at the dessert cart at the gala? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely tried that. Um, okay, so. It was delicious. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, thank you to Amanda's plate. She's, mm-hmm. she's great. Um, yeah, so she what? does. Yes, her sweets were so good. Um, tell us a bit about how time-consuming this job is. Um, so first, let's talk about like the corporate side, and then talk about just being uh, the clinical side. Yeah. So the corporate side, I would say, is not as stressful as I thought mm-hmm. it would be. It's something that I really do enjoy. So I get to work around, you know, like my schedule and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to work weekends anymore, which is great. Uh, the <laughs> counseling on the side and doing the workshops on the side it's not like an hourly thing so like it's not like something that you know if I do a workshop for one hour it's something I have to plan like days even weeks in advance just Mm -hmm. to prep for that so I would say that's more time consuming because you're researching you're trying to make a presentation you have to know your audience going in Mm -hmm. so that's another thing. So I think it, that would be more time consuming than my actual like working corporate, but it's something that I enjoy and something I have passion in. So I don't find it as like stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the clinical? The clinical was, it was stressful only when we had a lot of patients and you have like a very short amount of time to like go and see them and try to help them, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're trying to like discharge them. The doctors are trying to see them. The nurses want to see them. So it's like kind of you have to like go in and do your work on like a time sensitive, mm-hmm. but it's also like depends on what unit you're on and how long the patients are staying for. Um, can you tell us a bit about how Islam plays a role within your, uh, your career and how you take your job? Yeah. So I would say like 
the greatest gift, I always say this to people, the greatest gift that God has given us is our bodies. So we want to take care of that. And I always, you know, I always tell people that it's important to take care of your, like, you know, your body and your health and, you know, it's the most sacred part. And yeah. And I think Islam has really shaped when things get tough also, like, you know, it's your religion and your support that you have to like back you up. So definitely has a role in it. Um, and also uh, the last thing I'm going to ask you before we come to the end of our show, sure. uh, can you give us a few tips on how people can implement that healthy lifestyle and not instead of actually just going on a diet and going on this and doing this and that? I think that um, the first thing is like, just like making it a lifestyle change mm-hmm. and not doing going from like zero to a hundred really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like little things. Like if you like rice, you know, I always say cut it down <laughs> to like three or two. It's part of our culture. We're going to have to have rice, yeah, you know, <laughs> and just like cutting it down to like two or three times a week or, mm-hmm. you know, like making using less oil when you're cooking, mm-hmm. but it usually takes about like three weeks. They say it's for you to actually get in the rhythm and kind of like make these modifications and stick mm-hmm. to them. And the other thing is the biggest thing I would say is, especially in our culture, is just the family support, you know, because it's hard mm-hmm. if one person's trying to like eat healthy and then you're sitting at a dinner table where they're serving like, I don't know, like kebab and shawarma and all these meats and everything. <laughs> so it could be difficult. So I think doing it as a family and having that support system is, is important and just, yeah. And homemade food. And homemade food. Yeah. So you know <laughs> how you're making it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Uh, what is your final piece of advice for our listeners? Um, final piece of advice I would say is whatever you choose to do, just make sure you do it with passion. Um, I think that, you know, the passion is what drives you to be successful in your career and just mm-hmm. like networking, getting to know people. I think this is a great program for everyone to come and just like listen and reach out if you have questions or anything, you know, and I think those are two big things, networking and just having passion for whatever you do. Thank you so much, Bishta, for your invaluable advice. And it was Thank a pleasure you. meeting you online at Not The Gala. <laughs> Same. It was a pleasure meeting you. Um, everyone, you were just listening to the Umetra Talk Show. If you have any questions for the panelists, please post them in the comments section uh, and we can answer them later on. Uh, you can also... Uh, follow and get notifications whenever we go live. If you go to our Facebook page and click the three little dots and hit follow. Um, If you never want to miss another show, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Uh, And we would like to let you know that Emoja will be kicking off the Academy in multiple cities in the fall. So this is your chance. If you'd like an Academy near you, please email us at academy at umojaoutreach.org. If you want to reach out to today's speaker or any of our previous speakers, uh, you can visit our online platform at emojaoutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups or visit the UMentor website and hit the link for online platform. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. to hear from our next guest. And thank you for listening to our speaker today and 